We are eventually going to get back to Acts, um, but not for a couple more Sundays. And as we as we launch into the new year, uh, just praying in preparation for today and and God's heart for us. Uh, the passage that uh, Theo just read for us. kept coming to my attention over and over again. Uh, so it, it sort of became the heart of today's sermon. But we see in this passage, so if you'll go there, this is in Revelation chapter 2. And as, as Mark said earlier, uh, the church at Smyrna going through intense persecution was the only church that did not get some kind of correction uh, through, the, uh, through the letters of Jesus to the churches through John, through the Apostle John. But here in Revelation chapter 2, he's speaking to the church at Ephesus. And he, he praises them. He really lifts them up in acknowledgement that they are sticking to true teaching. And, and at least twice, he lets them know, I appreciate that you expose false teaching. Not only are you committed to the true teaching, you're diligent about recognizing and setting aside false teaching and not letting it take root in the body of Christ. And Jesus loves that. He's delighted with the church at Ephesus for their emphasis on truth, and their protection against falsehood. And he's delighted at their perseverance that they keep enduring. And, and in fact, he says a wonderful thing about them. He says, and you don't grow weary. You guys keep going in the right direction without getting weary. And I don't know about you, but I've had moments and situations and seasons in my life when I got weary. And here Jesus is amazed at Ephesus saying, you guys don't get weary. You stay on track and you keep going in the right direction. And so here's this wonderful church and they are wonderful by Jesus' words. This is a wonderful church. And yet it's worth really taking to heart, really listening to the heart of Jesus Christ in, in the one area of correction he gives to the church. And he says in verse 4, but I have this against you, that you've left your first love. And again, for us to hear the heart of Jesus in this, that he's, that he's looking at the believers at Ephesus and he's saying, I see a multitude of things I love about you guys. Things I'm proud of, things I'm delighted in, things that will literally, by other passages of Scripture, be rewarded for eternity. Those are real to Jesus, and he's delighted in them. But his heart, again, is saying, I don't want to be your first love. And that sort of slipped away, guys. That's his challenge to the church at Ephesus. All those other wonderful things are still wonderful. 
They are genuinely wonderful. Jesus is genuinely delighted in them. They will genuinely be rewarded for eternity. And he's still saying, but I have this, and he uses a strong word, I have this against you. That's a strong word from Jesus. I'm against this attitude. I'm against this slippage. I'm against this neglect. And when Jesus says, I'm against this, he says, now, repent. Again, twice he says, repent. And you guys know this, but it's worth recognizing here. It means change direction. And he's not saying repent from some blatant sin. He's not saying, you know, re repent from your idolatries or repent from your uh, blasphemies or repent from your immoralities. He said, you guys are doing, you look great. And, and in fact, what you are doing is genuinely great. Jesus is not mincing that or, or minimizing that at all. What you're doing is genuinely great. But I want you to change direction on this one thing, that you've left your first love. And, and you know, even while I was praying about preaching this morning, I, I recognized there are numerous folks I feel like I know well in this fellowship that genuinely love Jesus Christ. Genuinely love Jesus Christ. Aren't faking it. Uh, don't just do that on Sunday morning for two hours genuinely, joyfully, passionately love Jesus Christ. So I pray for all of us that are our, our, our ears to hear, because Jesus says it, I'm praying that, that there will be ears to hear. That our ears to hear on this are not, again, about, am I doing something bad? Now, if you're doing something bad, Jesus wants to talk to you about that too. But today's hearing of his heart that our ears would hear me saying, go further in this, that I'm your first love, that, that you're free to put me first. You know, it's interesting, in about, about two or three years ago, YMCA commissioned a survey, and they asked a couple of thousand parents, what are the most important lessons that you want to make sure you teach your children? So out of, out of that survey, we're not going to do everything here, but out of the survey, First thing was, you know, oops, no, that was actually second. It's be respectful. Be respectful. Two is be thankful. Can you even read that word, respectful? No. Who said no? <laughs> okay. All it takes is one voice. Okay. Respectful. Be thankful. Number third was be truthful. Number four was learn well, learn from your mistakes. Anyway, on and on and on. Number ten was spend time with those you love. Now, I'm not putting this up here 
because this is the sermon. But the recognition, these were thousands of parents that contributed to this. Now, and I actually think everything on their, on their list was good. And then I went and looked at a Christian survey and, and at several Christian surveys. And, and there were also good lists there. And it's like, what are we gonna teach our children? And it was that, you know, God is the creator. That God is love. That Jesus is God and the Son of God. And there were various things. And, and one of the most prominent I saw, here's, here's what number 17 on their list was. Number 17 on the Christian list was love God. Now, and I realized that this list, and actually I got it wrong. God is creator was the second one. Uh, number one was there is just one God. And it's a good list. Everything on that list I liked. But I was actually shocked and surprised that we didn't get the loving God till number 17. So let's go to Mark 12. And let's start at verse 28. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, meaning Jesus and all his antagonists. And recognizing that he had answered them well, that Jesus had answered his antagonists very well, he asked Jesus, what commandment is the foremost of all? And you guys know this, but here's what Jesus answered. He says, the foremost, some translations say the greatest commandment, is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbors yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So when Jesus made his list, Jesus' list was one is love God. And then two was love others. And in fact, when we read in Matthew, in Matthew, when he says love others, he uses in the Greek, he says, because the second commandment is made out of the same essential quality as the first. And, and plenty of passages of scripture would back that up. That ultimately my growing and loving God leads to loving others. And in fact, John in, in chapter four and chapter five of his letter in first John, reiterates, I cannot claim to love God if I'm not actively growing and loving others. But Jesus starts with this one, love God, then out of that growing to love others. And so Jesus' list is different than the world's list. It's even different than the Christian website list. He starts with loving God. Now, these might be this might be a sort of doctrinal structure. That if I'm going to teach my children, I, I start with different doctrines and I keep building on it. That's fine. 
But if we were going to ask Jesus, Jesus, what would be the most important thing? If I'm a dad raising my daughter, and, and you're going to be delighted in my parenting, what is the single most important thing you want me planting into her? Well, I want her to be financially responsible. Well, I, I want her to make good grades. Well, I want her to prepare for um, good marriage. Right? All of those things that would be precious to God. But what God is saying is, here's the most important thing, right, that I'm, I'm desiring, longing, hungering for you to plant into the heart of your daughter, is that you would raise her with preparation and understanding and wisdom to love me. And now Jesus is saying it again. Here at the very end of the Bible in Revelation, he's saying, here's the point. So this, this command, love God, love others, that Jesus just quoted, that came out of Deuteronomy 6. That right after God delivered all the truth and, and the incredible revelation of the Ten Commandments and all the other commandments, the ritual and the teaching commandments to Israel, he said, now, here's the point. And I love this because a lot of times we can look at the New Testament, and, and I've actually heard plenty of Christians say, you know, the New Testament is about the law, New Testament, Old Testament is about the law, New Testament is about love. That means you weren't paying attention when you read the Old Testament. Because it is just woven through the Old Testament that this is about God loving us and calling us to love him back. Because Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy 6, right after he gives them all these laws, the heavy burden of 616 ritual laws plus the Ten Commandments, all of which they failed in and all of which you and I have failed in, it's a burden that measures us as failures, which means we need grace and mercy. But woven right through that is he saying, okay, while well, you're learning my law, I've given you a core commandment. And now I'm, I'm putting it front and center. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And I promise you, every time I read that command, I know I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. But the call and the command is still in front of me. Where God says, I've now given you the very life and power of Jesus Christ going within you that equips you to keep growing in that direction. But that we get to look at this truth as the heart of Jesus Christ so that whatever we have as our goals for 2021. I've already heard people are telling me their, their news resolutions. I don't like the phrase news resolutions. But commitments to grow are really good. And if New Year's helps you put that in place and focus, that's great. But that we would recognize, but I have my first calling, my first calling for 2021 is to keep pursuing making Jesus my first love. I had a, a gentleman in counseling uh, not that long ago. And uh, as far as I could tell, a genuine believer, he and his wife both genuine believers, and he said, basically, I just have to focus on obeying God. Now, if you have to focus on obeying God, that's not a bad focus. That's a good focus. But it's not the end product of relationship. 
But what he said was, I cannot comprehend loving God. I cannot comprehend loving God. He's too distant, he's too ethereal, he's too something. So I'm going to focus on obeying him. And I hope that's good enough, because that's all I got. And the recognition is, again, that might be a good place to begin. For someone who's put their faith, and, and he had, in the death of Jesus Christ as the payment for sins, that might be a good beginning focus is to say, well, I just need to start obeying him. When he says something, I'll obey him. And we'll, in a minute, we'll look at why that's actually a good focus. But that recognition, I'm just going to focus on obeying him. Jesus gives a different background to that. Uh, actually, go to John chapter 8. In John 8, 29, Jesus says this. He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. But keep that in mind. Jesus is saying, I always do the, the things that are pleasing to him. And turn over to John chapter 14. And let's read verse 31. John 14, 31. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Now, in both of those passages, Jesus is saying, he's using words, as we've said before, that you and I can't use. I can't say, I do exactly as God commands me. I can't say that. Neither can you, by the way. And I can't say, I always do the thing that pleases me. But I love what Jesus is doing because he's saying, out of loving the Father, then I do the things that are pleasing to him. And again, as we've talked about before, I, I love the fact that Jesus puts it in the context of pleasing the Father. It's not just I keep the rules. It's I'm looking to my Father's face for delight. Why? Because I love him. I want to see him delighted with my choices. I'm working with a gentleman that has been a Christian for, for decades. And we looked at this passage, John 8, 29, I would say almost a year ago. And I don't know if he'd ever read it before. I don't know if it just hadn't got his attention. But he has since then said over and over and over again, he said that one verse, John 8, 29, changed my life. Because now he lives in this loving, pleasing mindset where he's asking before he says something or does something, Jesus, would that please you? Father, would that bring you joy? And if he knows it would not be pleasing to God, then he goes into spiritual battle to try to not say or not do the thing that he knows would not be pleasing. And then to feel confidence and, and even delight that he could please God by doing the thing that he knows would please God. And, and he's, he's not been very well grounded in scripture in the past. He's getting there, he's diving in and, and learning it. But this one truth of the heart of Jesus, that Jesus could say, because I love the Father, I take delight in doing exactly what he says. And, and my choices are driven by the desire to please him now. 
Now, that was true for Jesus at all times. And I, I hope you never get tired of me saying this or any, any other way God communicates it to you. You are now powerfully equipped to do the same thing in the same direction because this exact Jesus dwells within you. I don't know how that works. I don't know how Jesus is in me. But the New Testament is screaming this truth. That when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus came to dwell within you and now his life equips you and I to, to pursue growth in ways that we never could have pursued without him. And you know that. I believe the vast majority of you sitting here know that, but we get to keep choosing it over and over again. So here's Jesus saying, you know, I love everything you've done, Ephesus. I love a multitude of things about how you're being faithful and obedient, how you're standing for the truth and standing against falsehood and against false doctrine. But now my heart is longing that what I enjoyed with you at the beginning of our love relationship, that you would go back and pursue that again. And now it's worth, it's worth recognizing. Go to 2 Peter. And as I'm getting ready to read this passage in 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. It's worth remembering that in John chapter 3, Jesus, when he was talking to the woman at the well, and, and she tried to sidetrack the conversation into where God should be worshipped, because uh, he was getting pretty uncomfortable in addressing her history of sin. Jesus says, you know what? Those who worship God, it's not going to be about a mountain or a temple or a place. Those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if somebody is somewhere saying, you know what? I'm just content to worship God as I envision him. I'm content to just worship God, a God that feels good to me. A God that meets my tiny little box of God things. And here's what God says. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1, starting verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So here he's giving us, again, an incredible calling and an incredible destiny. Every single one of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ, God is saying, I've now equipped you to grow into the divine nature, into the very nature of God, the character of God, the, the wisdom of God, the mindset of God. I've equipped you for that. I've given you a multitude of promises and truths for that. And, and at least twice in this passage, he says, and that's going to be grounded in true knowledge. If you want to love me, you've got to know me. If you want to love me well, you need to know me accurately. That brings to mind John 17. Jesus' prayer. I love this. Jesus' prayer 
for believers, both the disciples at the time, but also for all of us. In John 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer, and in verse 3, he says this, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So that all of these passages, and we can keep doing a whole lot more. Loving God means I'm going to do some things, and it means I'm going to keep going to know him as he really is. True knowledge. I'm going to grow to know him. And, you know, this is like basic 101 Christianity. Love God. Do what he says. Get to know him. And yet the reason that Jesus wrote, because he did write it, the reason that Jesus wrote Revelation chapter 2 is because how easy it is for us to be faithful believers. The believers at Ephesus were faithful, obedient, diligent, disciplined, mature believers in many ways. And yet Jesus said, but I don't want this to slip away from your attention. Keep making sure that I'm your first love. Over the past, I'd say, two years, I've had three different pastors come in for counseling. Austin area pastors come in for counseling, struggling with something in their life. And, and one thing that it boiled down to for all three of these pastors was finally recognizing, I love my ministry. I, I love what I get to do. But all three of them said, but somehow I've lost focus on loving Jesus Christ. And one of the three pastors said, I don't know that I've ever loved Jesus. I've trusted him. I absolutely believe he died on the cross for my sin. And it is my joy to teach others about him. But I don't know if I've ever been able to look Jesus in the face and say, Jesus, I love you. And I hope all of you were listening as we sang songs this morning of worship. Because most of those songs were about God loving us. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Did I remember that accurately? Okay. That's amazing that I remember. You just witnessed a miracle. I remember the lyrics of a song. That recognition that his love, and we have this in 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. I know this is a passage that I quote often, but it fits right here, so I'm going to refer to it again. You would go to Ephesians chapter 3. Because this is, again, the heart of God spoken through Paul. Starting at verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, Please listen to the heart of God in these words. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you. Paul is praying for the Holy Spirit to accomplish something. That he would grant you according to the rich of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So the Holy Spirit is desiring that you and I would be strengthened with power in our inner man. But let's listen to what he ties that to, what he associates with so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So now I'm going to have to pursue and keep growing faith that Jesus dwells within me. 
and that you be rooted and grounded in love. So it's not enough that I believe I'm loved, that I keep growing, that my thought life, my, my mindset, my choices, my habits, my patterns, my purposes are grounded and rooted in this, God's love for me. To be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. So when he says we love because he first loved us, I'm going to need to keep exploring how does he love me? And I can't remember, I think Mark, it was you, but somebody a little earlier talked about the fact that as we recognize God loving us, that our response gets to be gratitude. And that we get to go past gratitude to say, I want to love you back. So I'm going to encourage you on something. How are we doing on time? My watch died, so that means we have all the time in the world. It's, it's literally dead. All the, all the time in the world. This is just the intro. It's just the intro. Fortunately, there is a part two next week. But, but that recognition... I forgot my thought by making my, my time joke. But that recognition that we get to grow in loving him first by comprehending and going deeper into how he loves me. And that means I have to explore all the ways he expresses that. Now, I know that sitting in this room, there's about 50 or whatever, I can't count, but a, about 50 rocket scientists who already know this. Where do you need to be exploring if you're going to comprehend his love for you? The word. Yeah. You're going to have to be there. Now, there's plenty of other ways you do it. You know, we just had uh, Tracy's mom. We had her memorial service Friday. And one of the things that Tracy talked about was that Freda would just, like, enjoy a sunset or, or something special with one of her grandkids. And she would just say, thank you, Lord. That she lived a mindset of recognizing all these little bits and pieces of beauty in my day. Where do they come from? They come from my Heavenly Father loving me, sprinkling my day with blessing. So you and I get to do that. That even on our darkest day, you know this, but even on our darkest day, that day will be sprinkled with blessing and love from the Father. Even on our darkest day, that day will be sprinkled with specific acts of the heart of love from Jesus Christ, being our Savior, being our friend, being our comfort, being our help, being our rescue, being our provision, on our darkest day, there will be things to notice and say, wow, Father, Son, Spirit, that's you loving me. Thank you. And I know that many of you have nurtured that mindset through the years and are trying to grow in that gratitude. But that's also a good moment for us to stop and go, not only thank you, Lord, but I love you back. I love you back. And I say this frequently, and I'm not kidding. I say this frequently. Every time it occurs to me to tell God I love him, I always ask this. I thought I'd knock something over. Glad it was you. Uh, but, 
that recognition of I love you, but not yet enough. I have growing to do. You have growing to do. And, and I like what Jesus says about this, change direction. He doesn't say, now make me, make me your first love, and you better be doing it perfectly. When he says change direction, he really is saying, be honest about the fact that you're going to be in a growth process over this, but choose this direction. Choose this direction that you are in agreement. I want to keep more and more, more consistently, more deeply, more passionately. I want to keep looking for ways and weighing and pondering my choices and my thoughts in the direction of making Jesus my first love. I get to love my family. I get to love my home. I get to love what I do. I get to love ministry. I get to love friends and family. And, and I get to love nature. And I get to love my hobbies. And I get to love a lot of things. Hopefully all of those not at the same level. But I get to love all of those things. And Jesus is saying, I gave all of those to you. I hope you love them. All of those were gifts from me. I hope you love them. But never let any of my gifts be your first love. And if you start to notice that your joy and your passion is about something less than me, work on that. Repent. Change directions. So again, this is not about shame. This is not about failure. This is not about badness. This is about the wisdom of listening to the heart of Jesus Christ and agreeing, I want to go in that direction. I want to have the freedom from condemnation and the freedom from fear because of how you love me that I can sit in your presence and I can say, Jesus, show me if I'm loving something more than you. And that I don't have to be terrified about that conversation because he loves me. And if he shows me that I'm loving something more, it won't be to crush me in guilt. It'll be to set me free from my first love. To set me free. So, like I said, this is this is a two-parter. We're going to come back next week and continue looking at some things here. But we, we have the Word of God saying, make God your first love. All your might, all your soul, all your strength. Bring your passions, bring your thoughts, bring your energy, bring your effort to the pursuit of loving Him. And if you're going to love him, be prepared to do what he says. And if you're going to love him, be diligent about getting to know him. And we'll continue with those thoughts next week. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you really do love us. Father, every one of us gathered in this room, every brother and sister that's gathered with us at home through Zoom, you love us. And Father, we know that. We, we just sang songs about it. But I know this about myself. I know this about all of us, Father. We have not yet finished comprehending the height and depth and breadth and length of your love. And we've definitely not finished in returning that back to you as gratitude and love. In a love that consumes us and puts you first. Father, as, as Lily read for us, if, if we're putting you first, Everything else gets taken care of, and there's so many ways that those other things can consume time and energy and effort. And even though it's wise for us to take care of those many things, that we would trust you enough to know that if we 
If we squander our life, if we waste our day loving you first above everything, it will not be a wasted life. That you, somehow, Father, you'll take care of other things. We get to be wise, we get to be diligent, we get to be responsible. But in the context of making you our first love. And Father, I even pray this for ourselves that we would love your words, but we'd love you more than your word. We'd love ministry, but we'd love you more than our ministry. That we would love family and we would love this circle of family in the body. But Jesus, that we would love you first and most. We barely understand how to do that because you're not visible to us. We need the help as Paul prayed, we need your spirit to enlighten our spirit to even comprehend how to love you, Jesus. We need your spirit teaching our spirit how to love you more. But thank you that you're patient. Thank you that you're forgiving. And thank you that you're powerful dwelling within us to help us grow in these things. You are the true and the living God, Jesus Christ. We choose you. We, we might be way, way, way behind where we could be, but we choose this direction. We choose to grow in loving. And Father, I thank you that this brings you joy. Your word makes it real clear. Every time we honor your son, you are delighted. Every time we love Jesus, you are honored because your son Jesus is the full revelation of you. He is the full revelation of your character your wisdom, your love. Jesus, you are the creator. You are the creator. And we love you. But not yet enough. Father, we agree on these things together in Jesus' name. Amen.